Then in reading at the twentieth verse. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. Maybe I should read the nineteenth verse also. There was a certain rich man, whose clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. He may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would come would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. And he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, and he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place to torment. I would like to talk to you tonight for a little while about the message the rich man wanted his brethren to hear. Normally, under any normal circumstance, a man who is suffering or in need, or who has a serious problem in his life, would normally enjoy, and not only enjoy, but reach out for the association of his friends or his relatives especially. You know yourself, when you're sick in body, maybe real sick, it's a comfort to have your relatives close by. And uh, it's just normal, that's natural. In fact, uh, generally you would send for send for your children to come in. As a child, you would send for your parents. It's comforting to have your brethren come in to see you and be with you during the time of your sickness or your trial. It's a natural instinct. But I would like for you to note this story tonight. There is something the rich man wanted his brethren to hear. And whatever this something was, completely neutralized the 
natural impulse for him to want his brethren with him. Now we have evidence in this scripture that he loved his brethren. But the love that he had for them, which was normally wants him to have them close by, is now the opposite. Something has changed. There's something about what he knows that he wants them to know, and the reason he wants them to know is simply that they would not come to where he is. There's going to be there must be something wrong with a man who wouldn't want his breath. No, no, not in this. I feel an obligation tonight, and if you will, please hear this preacher, as I give you the best that I know how. The message the rich man wanted his breath. In the first place, there's some things about hell that none of us know about. There's no way for us to know. But we do have the word of the Lord, and then my personal experience, I was praying one night, and I said, God, I don't feel that I have sufficient knowledge about hell to have the burden for lost soul or to be able to preach it as I ought. I wish while I was laying here on this bed in this dark, I'm here talking to you, I wish you'd show me something about hell. And God answered my request that night, began to unfold before my eyes one of the most horrible pictures that I could ever known. In fact, it was so horrible until I begged God to take it out of my mind. I just couldn't retain it. I don't believe you could retain your sanity and just keep thinking on what began to unfold before my eyes. Friends, believe me tonight, there is a real hell. Real hell. Now, if this rich man was here in this earth, I am certain that he could preach more effectively in five minutes than I will the whole time that I'm up here. But I can't, I can't get him here. There's no way that I can bring him to you tonight. So I have to do the best I know from the word of the Lord and from what God has shown me, revealed to me in the Spirit, I'll have to do the best I can. Now, he wanted his brethren to hear this, but uh, I would imagine tonight, if I could talk to that rich man, that he would not stop at that. I am certain that if I would ask him the question, rich man, would you want this message to be carried even beyond your brethren, which you want? What about the folks in law of Mississippi tonight? I would be certain that he would scream from wherever he's at now and say, whatever you do, preach, preach that. In fact, I'd always be willing to assure you that uh, if men in hell had their wishes, there would not be a service go by that hell was not described in that service. I'm just sure of that. I know my name. 
There are some things about going to hell that I don't know. The scripture doesn't make clear. First of all, there is one point that is clear enough. In fact, every place I see it mentioned about folks being cast in hell or taken to hell. In every case, it mentions and specifies that they were thrown or cast. Cast the man into outer darkness, sir. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. In every case, it is the fact that they were thrown, cast, thrown. In other words, some immortal being with immortal strength takes each individual, and in some instances it records that they were bound hand and foot. Find them, it says, on certain occasions. Find them. And then this immortal being evidently assigned that God. Takes them in his hand. And with immortal strength, in every case, there's no riding of an automobile. There's no plane ride. There's no plane ride. There's no trolley car that you put on. You're not ushered into a sheriff's car and taken off. In every case, they were thrown. Thrown. Just thrown. Cast. No certain way to fall, just throw Cast. Cast them in ground. Cast them. Cast them. Cast them. That alone brings to me a horrible thought. To just suddenly be thrust and thrown into outer space. And in every case I read, generally the first thing that is mentioned is cast them into outer darkness. That's the first thing they experience is darkness. First thing. Now, how long a man falls, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. With God, time means so very little. Day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So it means nothing to God. Time means nothing. Really nothing. And from the time that that individual leaves the throne room, here's those words from the mouth of the judge, depart from me. From the time he is taken with all hands and thrown round the From that time till he reaches hell, I do not know. You could actually fall a thousand, many years. I don't know. Time means so little to God. It could be that God planned that you will fall for 1,000 years and just fall. That could be a part of the punishment. In fact, that would be a horrible part. The fact that you will just fall. I've talked to paratroopers, and they tell me that is one of the most horrible feelings, just to be fallen. And they those fellows, and they get to the door of that plane, they, they have to kick them out, shove them out. Just breathe. They can't, it's the thoughts of just falling. And uh, the suspense of it, the anxiety involved in it. When do I reach hell? How long do I fall? The speed that you fall is very possible. 
that we will go at the wonderful coming of the night. I understand that if those uh, astronauts would re-enter space just as a human being, their body would actually burn up, would glow and burn. And uh, I could see as this individual is thrown, how fast I don't know. But through outer space, it's through darkness. You'll be falling in the suspense of it and how long. And when do I reach hell? And you think in your mind, if, if I could just go ahead and reach there and get this over, this anticipation and anxiety and the uncertainty of it and the fall. Well, that, that, that is yet to be seen. I couldn't tell you about it. All I know is that there will be a fall. There will be a throwing of men, casting them to some uh, space from out of darkness. Some folks have got to figure out that hell is in the heart of the earth. I'm not arguing with you about that, but I'd rather think maybe that God has some place for it because they're cast, they're thrown, and cursed into outer darkness. First into outer darkness. The space is somewhere they will uh, fall. Here they are head first a while. And I guess meeting so many people as possible, bumping against one another. Feet first a while, sideways, face down a while, backwards a while, just fall. And of course that will be very tiresome. Bring it. Very strange. Tired. Just to be bald. And, uh, well, when you reach hell, there are some things I'd like to tell you that you will expect to happen. That I know possibly will happen to you. We are people that would be Pentecostal if it wasn't for the fact that they want to have their short hair and their makeup and they want to look like the world. They don't want to be a pale face. They want to be pretty. And uh, they claim that that's uh, more beauty involved in that than there is in this. I do not agree with it. Even from the natural standpoint, if I wasn't a Pentecost, I would look at a Pentecostal woman and say that she is far more beautiful than someone in the world. That's just my opinion, and I have a right to that opinion. And I'm not prejudiced there. But the first... Uh, well, I don't want to be a Pentecostal on this account. Well, I would like to inform you, young lady, the first thing that happens to you the minute that you splash into hell. Like a comet from the sky, you splash into your eternal home. The first thing that happens to you, the hair of your head will be singed off. These things that you were so careful to pluck and to arch and take care of and paint and fix up will be singed away. The uh, fingers on your hands will be burned off. There will be nothing but stubs or hands. The smaller members of your body will burn away. And everybody in hell looks just exactly alike. You could not tell a male from a female. Toes are burned off. Smaller members of the body will burn away. And everybody there is nothing but a charred money. No hair on anyone's head. And uh, no fingernails to paint, no lips to really paint, because they're burned, charred, and raw flesh is uh, sticking out everywhere. And so immediately the thing that you counted so valuable to you, in one instant will be gone for eternity. It will never return to you. They do not have a dressing room in hell. They uh, wouldn't need a comb. There's no hair on anybody's head. It's things and burned away. 
and uh, everybody looks alike. Just a mass of charred mummy. Balls and charred and burned and scarred. And so the beauty fades instantly and immediately the minute you reach hell. And then starts the long, long, long endless and discussion. And there's some things that the Bible declares very plainly about that place. Oh, I wish I could talk to all along. I don't know what I'd give if I could have all of this city here and plead with them just for a little while. Friend, what I'm telling you is the truth. It is the truth. It is the truth. It is real. And if I could call a rich man tonight, he would say, Preacher, preach them the message about hell. Tell them. Tell my brethren. Tell my friends. Tell them. He said, let they come to this place. I don't even want my kindred here. The punishment is so severe. I do not want my kindred to be with me. And you know it must be severe. You know it must be. And there are some things that are definitely true about hell that the Bible declares without question. The, the continual problem, and the thing about it, you think, well, if I never reach hell, finally I get there and I put my feet on something. I could find something to lean against. Well, the thing about it is, my Bible said it's a bottomless pit. Bottomless. That means simply that you never cease to fall. Can you imagine how tired that would be? Just, just uh, like you were put into a drive, just tumbling, tumbling, head first plow, feet first plow, tired. Just forever and forever fall. Because it's bottomless. You never do get to the bottom of it. If you never find the place that you could say, this is the bottom, this is it here. Because it's not there. You just don't find it in him. And the Bible declares this. This is plain. This is clear and without question. The Bible says they rest not day nor night. That means they'll be tired in hell. Right. So, so I'm tired. There's many reasons why you'll be tired. There's many reasons. The falls will be making fun. Never being able to just uh, lean up against something. You know when you get tired, you could just sometimes just lean up against something, help a little bit. Or if you could just fall across something. But there's nothing there. The walls of the place. Uh, and you may reach for one of those craters, one of those mighty rocks, but when it's so red hot and so hot and it's the cinders, it burns, burns. Now that won't help. And uh, after all, there's going to be one mass of atomic explosions after another hell. Hell will be such a place of intense heat until the very atom will split and burst and cause hydrogen and atomic blast. There will be one blast after another in hell. So there'll be no such thing as you take and hold something and hold to it. The blast of the place, the constant explosion there in hell, will, uh, and the eruptions that are there will keep you moving all the time, knocking against people and knocking against the walls. There are many reasons why you'll be tired. The trip to hell. I've traveled a little bit. In fact, I'm be honest with you, I'm low found this tonight. I, the thoughts of a long trip, I just don't like. 
I used to enjoy traveling. And when I think about starting on a long trip, I dread every mile of it. I travel so much. I will forget coming from Florida one night. One day, I traveled 900 miles that day. Just steady, constant driving, just stopping long enough to gas up and get a little bite to eat and keep driving. A free man can really be tired 900 miles in one day. And uh, many times have I driven way in the night, just on and on and on. Tired. In fact, you just drive so much to even when you go to bed, you feel like you're still driving. You can't seem to go to sleep, too tired, still driving. But I'll never forget, I came to a friend's house in Louisiana that night. It was really a, a good feeling to know that, that I was welcome in that home. They had a good bed for me, and if I wanted something to eat, they had something good to eat. But in hell, the thing is, you never reach a friend's house. There are no motels or hotels in hell. No uh, inviting signs such and such a motel. And they don't even as much as have a sidewalk to sit on. They don't even as much have a chair or a basket or anything, just anything, wrong anything to sit on in hell. And the process of following has wearied you, the anxiety and the nervous tension of it. And then, here's another thing. Hell will be a place, the Bible declares this, as brimstone. Fire and brimstone will be belching out of this Brimstone is burning so, the most suffocating smoke there is. And here you are, trying to get a little oxygen in your lungs. And that alone can be tiresome. Have you ever smothered in your life? That can be a tiresome thing to struggle for a break. I want to pray for a man that had the very serious case of Adam, and he was on the floor, one on the floor, just, 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 just one grabbing thing, struggling, pulling, just to get a breath, or just to look at him, I just, I just, it hurt me, I just smothered my face to look at him. Well, in hell, you will constantly be pulling for just, just, have you ever been in a tight place and, and you can't uh, get the breath? If I could just get one, I could just, I could just get one But you don't ever, ever in hell get any oxygen in your lungs. They just don't have it. It's nothing but a mass of burning sulfur. You're breathing it. And you're struggling. And that alone would make you tired. And you'll be so tired until you hurt. And I have been that tired. I've been so tired that you feel like you're going to cry. And God knows that I'm not that much of a sick. But I've been so tired it seems like if I can just cry into the hell. But in hell, in hell. Just God. sick time. Just sick. Sick time. But the Bible says they rest not. They are not. They don't ever, ever sit down. Don't ever sit down. And just, just no, no, not in hell. It's a continual movement. It's a 
continual perpetual root of and bumping and struggling and pulling for breath constantly in hell. In hell. Yes, sir. Beauty's gone. Ambitions and hopes are gone. Now then, you're in hell. And the thing I, that, that makes it so bad, according to this Bible right here that I hold in my hand, according to this Bible and its averages and its statistics, I am talking to people now that will go to hell. Right now, Brother Lawrence, as sure as this Bible is God's Word, I'm talking to people that will experience what I'm telling about now, plus the things I don't know about. Just as sure as there's a God in heaven, the sad part of it, according to this Bible and its averages and statistics, I am talking to people who now have the Holy Ghost that will later wind up in hell. Five were wise and five were foolish. And hell. The enclosure of hell. The loneliness of it. Though there will be multiplied millions of people there, you will be alone. No one's interested in you. Everyone's interested in himself. Hell will be a mass of demon powers. There are devils, demon powers, that make people sick. There are actually afflictions that are direct results of demon forces. I believe there is a demon called cancer. I believe there is a demon of tuberculosis. I believe there are demon spirits that would cause the human body to suffer. Now the thing that I've studied about hell is this. For the thousand years millennium period, my Bible said Satan is bound, but he is loose, and not one place do you find where he was ever bound again. If I understand my Bible, they will be cast loose in the hell. That means the flu demon will be in hell. That means the cancer demon will be loose in hell. Which simply means his power to make sick and to bring affliction will still be there. In hell plus the torture of the flame, you will be one mass of cancer. One mass of horrible diseases and the feeling of flu and feverish and sick and nauseating. Oh, how nauseous, how sick. And the pain that wrecks the different parts of your body as a result of loose demons in hell. Who says that their power is taken away from them in hell? It just simply means they're there for torment. But in their torment, who knows but what the steam and their power will still be there. Amen. Oh, friend, in hell. And I don't know if you've ever heard demons possess people or not make noises. I have. And I'm sure that some of you have. But if you haven't, that's the most horrible sound in the world. 
uh, I heard a little girl in the Siemens of that thing. Every breath, she was uh, rocking back and forth. And every breath was a drone that I would not uh, know how to, to uh, make the same thing. I just don't believe it. Could. It was a blood curdling drone, constantly. <laughs> every breath. He does things by rhythm. Everything he does is rhythm. That's why the rock and roll goes over. I talked to a young man who prayed through in the revival where I was at, and uh, he was uh, had won a national award as a teenage dancer. And he told me, he said, Brother Bean, he told me the different dances. I asked him, I said, what do y'all do? You do the twist or what is it? He said, that's amateurish anymore, the twist. I said, don't tell me there's anything worse than that. He said, we've got the match to take and we've got the shout, and we've got the monkey, and we've got all of this other stuff. And he said, I'd be playing the piano at times and get so in the spirit of that until I would scream and get up and tear my clothes off of me. The power of the rhythm of it, the powers of hell, it works in rhythm. 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 That's why in Jamaica they've got the demon worshippers down there. Please, 
And so, I'm telling you the story tonight. The rich man knows it. If he could come here in five minutes, he could, he possibly could persuade you. Another thing about it, I thought of it, thought of it. And hell, first of all, let's go back to the judgment for a moment. I have reasons to believe that at the judgment, there will be a time of goodbye. I really believe that. Several reasons I believe it. First of all, I find in the Bible where it said that God will wipe the tears from his saint's eyes. Now somewhere it looks to me like the glorified saints will weep. Somewhere God's going to have to wipe tears from somebody's eyes and they're his children. Now, I wouldn't argue with you over it, but I personally believe to add to the torture of your lost and doomed condition, God is going to grant a time of goodbye, just as a man in a courtroom has been sentenced to the electric chair. But before they handcuff him or before they lead him out of that courtroom, he gets a chance to kiss his wife and mother and dad and children all the time. And they all say bye. And then they lead him on to death row. I personally believe that God is going to grant that at the judgment. I believe that with my whole heart. I'll tell you one reason, another impressive point is a happening. Uh, there's a woman tonight in Mother Kilgore's church, one of the finest saints I've ever seen in my life. Even before this program, Mother Wilhart got up, Mother Kilgore tells me the woman never fails to bring him someone to new to preach every Sunday night. Not one time has she failed to bring somebody brand new in that church. She was a sinner. There's nothing about God or the Holy Ghost. Most invited to church would make her mad. She was not interested in God. She was not Pentecostal. She had not been raised around it at all. One day her little girl by the name of Debbie drowned. I forget Debbie's age now. She was just just a little child. She could uh, talk. Somebody, she was at the small town. And uh, a Catholic woman came by and visited with her later and said, why don't you go and get the priest to pray your child out of purgatory? Well, she didn't believe that, but it got her to thinking, is my child saved or lost? I never took her to church. I wasn't interested in God. My baby is dead and I wonder if it's saved or lost. And it's like the Roman woman crazy. She prayed night and day, night and day. God, could you show me about my child? One night she was praying about two o'clock. She had not gone to sleep. She was wide awake, crying and praying. In the way that she knew how to pray. And all of a sudden, little Debbie appeared at the foot of her bed. And she said, Debbie, is that you? And she said, yes, Mommy, it is. Well, if it is, come over here and let me love you. 
Debbie came over to the bedside, and her mother reached out and took her in arms. And she said, I have never felt anything like her flesh. It was not like human flesh. It was uh, more like velvet, yet it wasn't like velvet that I could not explain. But she had no clothes on, yet she was not naked. She was cold with light. And she said, Mommy, Jesus heard your prayer and sent me to tell you that I'm all right. Now, remember, the child knew nothing about the Holy Ghost nor her mother. But the little girl says to her mother, says, Mommy, Jesus sent me to tell you that you're going to have to receive the Holy Ghost or you cannot come where I'm at. And not only that, Mommy, she said, uh, Jesus told me to tell you to tell everybody you see that they're going to have to get the Holy Ghost so they cannot come where I'm at. She said, Debbie, are you happy? She said, oh, Mommy. All this time, she's trying to pull away, and she's anxious to go. Finally, she said, Mommy, I love you, but I've got to go. And she said, Bye, Mommy, and started out. Her mother ran outside and watched her as she stopped over the building and waved goodbye and said, Bye, Mommy, I love you, but I've got to go. Bye, Mommy, I love you, but I've got to go. I personally believe that when the judge has read the verdict over you, I believe with all of my heart that it will be a time allowed for the saying of goodbye. Please. First of all, I believe that uh, I have told some of you this before. My father died. The last words I remember him saying to me was, I'm lost, and it's nobody's fault but mine. I personally believe that the judgment, it will be somewhat on this order. I believe there will be witnesses. No, you're not the saints of just the earth. And I believe that Alexander Franklin Dean will be called to the saints. And I believe the judge will say, is there anyone here that would witness against him? And by the law of justice, I must stand up and tell the truth. Judge, I am his son. What have you got to say for it? I'll have to say, Judge. I'll have to say it. I'm sorry to say it. But I'll have to say that those nights that uh, he would go to church and parody me as a little boy. I would lean over on his shoulder, standing on the old church pew. And I would lean over against his shoulder, and I would wet his shoulder with tears, and say, Daddy, won't you please go pray? And I'd have to say, Judge, that every time he turned me down, he said no. And Judge, I would also have to say that when I would go home at night, I would wet my pillow with tears the way in the morning, just a little boy, crying because my daddy would not. And, Judge, I also remember that I dreamed that he and another man, named Smith, was walking toward the church house. We were all taken in the rapture just before the two of them got to the church. Not long after that, Mr. Smith died lost. Not much longer after that, my dad died. And I have to say, Judge, that I told him that dream. Not only that, but uh, 
I also had brother, a brother and two sisters. And at times they would dream in the night that he was lost. And those chickens would wake him up. Dad, scared, trembling, crying. Dad, I dreamed he's lost. The judge, I'd have to say that he's sending back the bail. Told him everything would be all right. Now, as far as I know and as far as I witnessed, Judge, I'll have to say the last word he told me on this earth, I remember. His own words, he confessed, I'm lost. Nobody's fault. All right. Witness, is there another? My mother would have to stand and witness that she preached the last time that he ever got in his life as an individual. the Bill, Texas, she preached that night in conviction, fell on him. And he was standing by another man, and this is his own testimony. He said conviction would hit this other man, and then it would hit him. Then it would hit this man, didn't it? Said it looked like one of us was going to have to go, and the other man went. And Dad walked outside and expressed himself to some of the men. He said, well, boys, I may have got it tonight. I don't know. And Judge, my own mother, stands to witness. Life of this man stands to witness. He preached the last time if he ever got a chance to hear him say. Now the verdict. Sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me into everlasting chains of darkness. Prepare for the devil and his angels. All right, there's the time of silence. I see just before the immortal being takes him by the hand and turns and looks at his family. I believe this with my whole heart. I believe that I'll actually tell him this time. I believe that I'll wave at him. Goodbye, Daddy. I love you. I love you now. But you can't be my daddy anymore. Goodbye. Sorry, Daddy. He's got to stay here on this beautiful shore. Wife waves goodbye. Alec, I prayed for you many times. Four o'clock in the morning, Mother has awakened me crying out to God. Save Sorry, Alec, but can't be your wife anymore. We love you. Goodbye. The thought that comes to my mind is this, and you hear me tonight, friend. God is talking to someone in the service. If you love your children, my advice to you is take them in your arms tonight and love them all you know how. Hold them close because in hell there'll be no baby to hold. I don't understand it. I cannot figure it out to save my life. Why a man or woman, for the sake of their children, would not want to live to God. The most unfair thing you can do for your children is to leave them the testimony that you were lost. I'd rather know that my dad was saved than for him to have left an inheritance of a million dollars. I don't mind the fact that he had to pay some of the debts he owed. He was a hard-working man, but cutting law in this kind of weather, he just didn't get to work. And that's all right. He paid his debt. But if I could just know, if I could just have a word somewhere from some source, of hope and encouragement that he would say, but friend, not so. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Can you imagine the mass? Goodbye. Goodbye. Mommy, I love you, but goodbye. The little old hand waves. I'm going to stay here on this beautiful shore. 
you've got to go. And I have to imagine the mass goodbye. Mommy, I love you, but goodbye. The little old hand waves going to stay here on this beautiful shore. You've got to go. And I have a scriptural proof that in hell, people who are in hell will be able to see folks who are in heaven. My Bible said the rich man saw us afar off, recognized him as last in Abraham's footsteps. In hell, you will be able to see those that you love so much. My dad, through the smoke of that morning, will be able to see his boy, his wife, his daughter, and the bell. And the bell. Can you imagine? Mother, come on, face the back. The most cruel thing you can do tonight in your family is the little son of God. There's nothing that is more cruel in this world than your family. The most unmerciful act that you can carry out, the most criminal thing that you can do is to leave all dying children in this world off. And someday have to part from them and hear them who desire. Father, I love you. I tell you the truth. To me, if there was no flame in heaven, if they had beautiful stores and air-conditioned rooms to just be taken away from my baby, would be hell And me to be able to look younger and see my little girl around the beautiful white throne, see my wife, my mother, never they are. I will never again hear their voice. I will never again feel the touch of their hands. Never will my little girl reach her arms up to that it takes her Because they don't think. No day after the child in hell, no pattern of little feet, they were going to cross any of the parts of hell. They just don't have enough. Okay. And the horrible part is, you're looking at soft, and the younger said to maybe a saved loved one, if you know Christ for so many times, there's Brother Lawrence, and you see him, Brother Lawrence, And though you know there's no use for you to scream, but you'll scream and fight it. You'll do it as sure as there is a hell. You're going to scream in hell and call the names of those that you can see. Maybe it's a saved mother, maybe it's a saved dad, maybe it's a saved child, maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe it's Mother Lord, and you'll scream. Mother Lord, Mother Lord, Mother, 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 can't you call on God just one more time? I know you care. I know you want to be saved. Can't you see me in this predicament and you'll scream and you'll scream that there be one? And one again, somewhere in the process of the goodbye, our Bible teaches me that God himself will wipe the tears from their eyes. And there'll be no more And let me just take time out after you said goodbye to lost something. And the way God wipes the tears away. And you walk on in now and forget them all.
That's only the blessed thing about him. If one finally wants to see, you're the end of the moment. If I remembered my daddy in heaven, heaven would be him. Wouldn't be him. But somewhere in the process of it, he's going to take a memory away. And I'll never look towards the law again. Never would I gaze from the city to see if I could see him in that office. He will see me constantly marching around that throne, dressed in that beautiful white linen, going on and praying to the name of God, enjoying the bliss of that great eternal city. <clears throat> but yet, the old palace, no, he won't have any fingers left, burn away. He will reach. John, pray for me one more time. Leaning your head on my shoulder, begging me to go to law one more time. Son, I'm sorry I turned you down. I'm sorry. Son, I'm sorry that I caused you to cry and be in Oh, son, could you pray for me just one more Why could you preach one more sermon? I was preaching revival in place. Then I was fast. And with his hot brother and I started to take a drink of water at the church. He parsley. And I just got it to my lips and I called him. And just to be honest with you, it took me a long time to walk in. I thought about an old man somewhere. Thirsty, yes. Every, every human sense will be at its peace. Hungry in hell, oh, hungry. The dope addict will want to joke more than ever. The sucker will want to smoke. The smoker will want to Crazy, crazy in hell. I thought of it. The God was just saying out of verbal. Time doesn't mean anything to me, but I'm going to a lot, a lot of time. I'm going to make time possible in eternity. And once every million years, at a certain time, when that red hand of the cross reaches a certain spot, if you are present and at the right place, I'll grant you the privilege of opening that door and taking your daddy's glass of water. Or just a drop. That's all the rich man has to call a drop. I'll be very honest with you. You could shout around the throne all you wanted to. But this boy was shot 10,000 years ahead of time. Watching the clock. I want to be sure, y'all go ahead and shout, but I'm going to sit right here at the spot where he pulled me away. 10,000 years I was waiting. I would not go anywhere. I would not move. I would wait for my chance. He would say, all right, brother, and burn your hands and take hold of the door. That's right. That's all right. That's all right. But if you open the door and you're there at that certain time, once every million years, I'll let you dip your finger in water and touch your dad's tongue. I promise you I'd be there on time. I'd be there. I'd swing the door wide and I would swing his hand. I would never be late. I would wait patiently until my time. Oh, friend, there's a little thing. There's 
It waits for you men. It's open mouth, gapping wide. The Bible said it's enlarged. I'm afraid that even we apostolics do not believe in the reality of heaven. If we did, you would not have to beg for you to go in personal work if we really believe that we could go. My God, there is a hell tonight. Mother, take your darling girl in your arms and hold her close because it's a matter of time and you'll have to tell her goodbye. Bye. Bye, Mommy. I still love you, but I've got to go. Dear Lamb of God, tonight, I beg you as sincerely as I've ever begged in my life, something would happen in this service. Oh Lord, oh Lord. Preachers will be called on the witness stand as 
one by one we piled by. For the Lawrence you pastor the church in Law, Mississippi, what is your testimony about this individual? Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Judge, but we prayed for him. We tried. And they just wouldn't seem to humble themselves. We'd have gone out of our way to go on and help them. They seem to want to love the world. Goodbye, friend. Goodbye. My awesome daughter, wave goodbye to your mother. There's a life before you. Beauty gone now. And the thing you live for is suddenly taken away. Now how useless it is. It is not worth anything to you now. Church, can you pray? Do you know how to talk to God in a service like this? Do you know how to get burned for a dying soul? Can you reach with compassion now for those that perish? Please, friend, don't be lost. Listen to this preacher beg you tonight. Please live to God. Why wouldn't you want to? The odds are all against you now that we are now. Everything to gain by coming. You wouldn't lose happiness, you gain happiness here. Church or your place. Somebody try to take I'm afraid they're going come away. I'm almost afraid to bring it to that point. I'm afraid they're going to turn him down. Talking about a helpless feeling. A preacher with a burden of this on his heart, knowing it's the truth, and yet seeing people turn it down. And this preacher has seen more than one. Listen to me. More than once have I seen walk out that never came back. That's not what I read out of a book of illustration. That's not a psychological appeal. That is the truth. Bakersfield, California. I pled with a man one night. I said, man, if you don't come tonight, you'll never come back to this church. He didn't come. He didn't believe me. Three days later, fell dead in a grocery store. In the same city, call the pastor in the church. We don't believe it. I'll give you his name and phone number. The same church. I pled with a man one night. I begged him. I warned him that my chance. I was giving him his last invitation. He didn't believe it. 
just like folks don't believe anymore. They think that's just a preacher trying to scare me. But you see, he walked out. They found him dead in bed the next morning. I could just keep talking. Brother Maddox remembers there's a woman in Miami, Florida. I prophesied her she didn't pray that night would receive an untimely and a horrible judgment. They have it on tape recording. Brother Morgan still got the tape. I made mention to him. I said, I'm glad you're taking it on tape. You'll play it back. Whoever this is, and I, the Holy Ghost showed me the woman. She walked out, smiling, unconcerned. Brother Morgan said, Brother Bean, I played the tape back when it happened. They found her burned to death. Had to scoop her up in bags. Put it in a casket. She was nothing but ashes. I've seen it too many times. And to stand here tonight and wonder, I'm wondering right now, what will you do when I invite you to this altar? It almost scares me. I almost don't want to say, come, I'm afraid you'll say no. that you've got a burden for the lost or you're lost yourself. That's one way to judge whether you're lost or saved. Hallelujah. 
This is the dreaded part of the answer. I dread this part. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I appreciate you reconsidering.
for you. But I must say in my mercies, I must warn you that swiftly shall your judgment come. You shall not even have time to think of it. You shall not even remember the words that I have spoken. It shall come so quickly upon you. But those of my people who hear this witness tonight shall remember that I have spoken, that your judgment shall come quickly. For my sickle shall be thrust in, and you shall be reaped of the harvest of the earth. For my judgments are sure. Also, please allow me to show you mercy. Brother Bean, I had forgotten the prophecy until I took his little blonde-headed girl that couldn't see over in the chest. I picked her up in my arms to where she could see her daddy, and I whispered in her ear and said, Honey, tell daddy goodbye. And it dawned on me what God had said a week and a half before that. God's folks said your children from the least to the greatest will look in your cold face and tell you goodbye. He said, Brother Bean, I have fulfilled that prophecy first of all by picking her up before she could see his cold face. The next thing, by putting it in her little ears, is what to say to her daddy a week and a half later. If you don't think God is a business God, he's not playing tonight, church. Hear this preacher, he's not playing tonight. Seriously, God is reaching out to somebody in this office. And I plead as desperately as I know how for you to lose that. Would you do it? Well, if you say it again, I'm inviting you. I'm saying Would the audience please stand as we give the final invitation? Would you please stand? I 
believe this woman will die. These children will die. He's a man we know. Oh, I'm going to ask you to get in there and play with them. Don't spare yourself. Don't tell them. Oh, and he turned it Goodbye, Senator. Oh, Father, 